Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. You guys are too nice. <laughs> oh. How, how is everyone doing? Uh, my in-laws went up to see my uh, father-in-law um, this weekend, and it took them five hours. It normally takes a four-hour drive for them. It took them five hours because of the traffic. And I guess everybody realized this weekend was going to be a summer weekend, so they all headed up to Maine. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know why you guys didn't head up to Maine, but I'm glad you didn't. Congratulations to Mitch and Anna. You guys, you're clapping before you even know what happened, unless you saw it on Facebook already. They, Mitch and Anna gave Bob and Lori their sixth grandchild. <laughs> oh. I'm just looking over my notes. They're so good. I'm like, do I even want to share these with you guys today? <laughs> Worship team did amazing this morning. I'm telling you. I knew my feet were on the ground, but I felt like the rest of me was in heaven, just worshiping around the throne. We, had, we are so blessed to have the teams that we have. Anyway, uh, we have a, uh, actually a picnic today with the worship team, 27 people coming over to our house for a barbecue. And my wife cut out early for obvious reasons, and this week has been a very busy week. <laughs> But uh, we're excited to have them over, get to hang out with them and um, enjoy them. Also, if you are, um, if you are uh, skilled in drums, bass players, guitars, vocalists, please see Dan, Serena, or Mike. Uh, Mike, I believe you're in the back there. Is that you, Mike? No, that's not Mike. They're out. They're out there in the cafe. Please see them, and, and um, they'll be uh, glad to talk to you. We, we do auditions, so to speak, so it's important that we do auditions. I did a conference years ago, and, and the drummer that was supposed to show up couldn't make it, so we had this big conference. It was a Woman of Glow conference. There were over like 400 women there, and uh, it was in Lowell, I believe, and in a hotel room, and, and I was leading worship. I was asked to lead worship there and speak, so I was leading worship, and Oh, no, actually, I didn't speak. I was just leading worship. And the drummer calls at the last minute, says he can't make it. And, I mean, we're talking last minute. We were on the stage setting up our instruments when we got the call from the drummer. If you had any, any worship leading experience at all, you plan your set around drums, you need a drummer. If your set is planned around having drums, you need a drummer. And we didn't have one. 
So I made the biggest mistake in history. I asked the audience if there's anybody that could play drums. And this guy and his wife, they raised their hand in the back. There, there were several people that raised their hands, but this guy was so enthusiastic, his hand went up, and I just went, there's my drummer right there. And within uh, two sentences of the first song, it became very apparent he's not a drummer. I don't know why he raised his hand, <laughs> but it was rough. And I mean, this is a conference, right? We're, this, a lot of ladies have come to this conference for worship, and I'm leading worship, and it's, it was so difficult to lead a song where the drummer's offbeat. I, I'm just telling you, it was horrible. It was, it was horrendous. I mean, you'd at least expect him to carry a couple of beats and be there, you know? And I finally, I, did you guys go to this conference, Stephen Carey? Were you at this? In little, I finally stopped after the, after the first song. I got into the second song. As soon as the second song started the same way, I finally just said, I can't do this. I had to stop, and I turned around and said, thank you very much, we don't need the drummer anymore. Right in the middle of the conference. <laughs> the, <laughs> the second song went a lot better, believe it or not. It was fine. We changed the music order a little bit. I mixed it up, got some, picked some slower songs and just went with those. But it's important that we do additions. It's important that we have musicians that are skilled and, and work for us and work for the kingdom. And so that's why we do additions. So if you're here and you would like to join the worship team, <laughs> why am I saying this? This is, am I making another mistake? Yeah, Bob raises his hand. Oh, I'd like to join. So if you're here and would like to join, we do do additions, and please uh, feel free to sign up. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means carry a tune and carry a beat. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Oh, that was a fun talk. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Great passage, you know, when I first got saved, I read that, read that verse, and I highlighted it and fell in love with that verse. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Yeah. Old things have passed away. The old things have passed away. And when I first read this verse, I got really excited about this verse. And then I went on my week the next week, and some old things started popping up. Well, old, old things started popping up, and I'm going, wait a minute. I'm a new creation. All old things have passed away. Why are old things popping up? They did. They started popping up. They started showing up in my life. And it was like, what's going on? I'm new. This is brand new. What is happening? And when these old things started popping up, I began to get a little concerned. I began to get like, wow, maybe I'm not a new creation. Has, any, has anybody ever done something like that? You know, the, you, you read something in the Bible and it really charges your life and encourages you. And then all of a sudden something in your life, some experience, life experience pops up. And all of a sudden you're looking at, well, this is my reality. And what the Bible says, that's that reality. But this is my experience. This is my authenticity for the day. And it's like what we do is we make the mistake of having our experiences, like in this case, my old things, begin to override what the Bible said I was, which is a new creation. 
and what the Bible said in that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when those old things pop up in you and they begin to interrupt your new creation experience, you need to talk to the old things. In fact, just tell the old things, go to hell. That's where they came from. Just go to hell. Send them back where they came from. It's an old thing. Don't belong in a new creation. No, no sense in letting an old thing get you down and steal your new creative abilities. Right? But we do it. Unfortunately, we have done it. I've done it. I think we've probably all done it in one shape, form, or another in here where an old thing creeps up. You give it a little bit of time of day. You give, give that thing some entertainment. Entertain the old thing, and all of a sudden the old thing, you know, after you've had your entertainment, the old thing starts saying, you idiot, you jerk. Who do you think you are? You hypocrite. You're just acting. You're just pretending. Well, you're not a great Christian. There's not much hope in you. There's not much. And it just goes on and on. Who do you, you're so insignificant. You, you really, the only time you're good is when you're around church people. Outside of that, you're not that good. And all these lies just start popping into your head. And they start popping into your head because they're after something. They're after something in us. They see something in us. You understand, the enemy sees Christ in you, the hope of all glory. The devil is very familiar with Jesus and God. The Bible says that they quake and they fear, but they believe in God. And they're very familiar with him. They're very familiar with Jesus because Jesus came along and destroyed their kingdom and took it out. He took their power. He depowered the enemy. So that all the enemy has now is a bunch of lies. He's just a bunch of fabrications. And he fabricates to believers more than anybody else. And the reason why is because he doesn't want Christ in you showing up in your workplace, in the marketplace, out in the street, in church, in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships. So he'll say all kinds of lies. Oh, you entertain the old things, man. You're just a hypocrite. You don't have anything going on in you. What's the matter with you? I like what Steve Backlund teaches. Let's just laugh at that. Let's just laugh at that. It's good to laugh at those lies. Because if you believe them, they'll get you depressed. And how many of you know depression isn't good? It's just depression bad, joy good. Joy of the Lord is our strength. Depression of the Lord isn't. Depression of the Lord, depression from the Lord isn't. Either way, depression even equated with the Lord is not good. It's not to say that if we get depressed, we're bad. It's to say if we get depressed, it's probably because we've been hearing a lie. We've probably been entertaining a lie, and we've been giving something old attention. And this is what we get to do with the Scripture. This is why I love the Scriptures. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we get to take that to the old things. 
I believe it's one of the ways we renew our minds. We renew our minds by taking the new things and overriding the old things, by taking the truth and overriding what our experience is. If our experience operates on a different plane than the truth, then we need to bring the truth to override the experience rather than let the experience override the truth. And this is how we renew our minds. And it comes with practice. And it comes with consistency. And it comes with commitment. And it comes with the expectation that when we do that, something good is going to happen to us. Something Bill Johnson said years and years ago, he'd said it only takes him five seconds to think himself into depression. Which is why he could not even give it a second, two second, three second, four seconds. Because on the fifth second he was done. And I think that that's a, that's a reality for all of us. I want to talk to you about the authority that we've been given as believers. I want to talk to you about ecstasia. I've been on this now for the third week, and I love this teaching. It's an incredible teaching on ecstasia because ecstasia is something that we all carry within us. It is the authority from Christ to reign from above over things, old things, things of this earth, patterns, addictions, uh, arguments, hatred, anger, gossip, things that are of the flesh, okay? Things are those old things. And, and we say things that are of the flesh because things that are of the flesh don't belong in us because we're born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. We're born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. So the things of the flesh are in old things, and old things have passed away. If the old things have passed away, then the old things have passed away. Truly, the old things have passed away, and all that's left is a new thing. It's just the reality of it. And it's like, oh, well, that's not really reality. Why don't you give something to me that's in my reality realm? I can't. I can't. I can't do that anymore than I can do that for myself. Because reality, reality is beyond the veil. Reality is heavenly. Set your eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. Things above. That's our reality. The unseen realm, the realm of the spirit, becomes our reality. When we start putting our mind on the realms of the spirit, guess what we start seeing? Things of the spirit. We start seeing into the spirit realm. There are many seers sitting within this room. Sunday morning, uh, over the years, I've had seers come up to me and say, I saw so many angels in there today, it was incredible. Because they're seen into a realm that really exists. And it's true for them. And they get to that realm by faith. They go there with the eyes of faith. They see in that realm with the eyes of faith. And that's the realm that we've been destined to live in. Man, I'm telling you something. As a believer, you get an inheritance of a realm that goes way beyond this earthly realm. A government that goes far beyond an earthly government. Ephesians 2, 5-7 says, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us 
in Christ Jesus. What is he saying here, the ages to come? He's not talking about after we die and go to heaven. He's talking about the ages to come. This was written almost 2,000 years ago, and he was spelling out this age. And he was spelling out every age after this age. For generation to generation, this is good for every age. It's not just apostles that got to sit in the heavenly places. It's not just the disciples that got to sit in the heavenly places. It's not just the believers that were around Jesus and around the apostles' moment of time. But the apostle is writing and he is saying, for every age to come. We have been seated together in heavenly places. I just, I love heaven. I've been there on a few times. There's been a few times I've, I've got to go to heaven. Honestly, I, I, I don't know why I don't take more trips there. Maybe too many distractions on this earth. I don't know. Sometimes I go to heaven in my sleep. I know that. I can always tell when I've been to heaven in my sleep. Even if it's not a dream that I can remember anything significant like that, I wake up so refreshed and so energized. It's like charged. I have like this charge going on in me. I don't even need a coffee to wake up. That's a heavenly experience. Heaven is full of energy. It's full of excitement. Every picture that I've ever seen of heaven in the Bible, with the, with the exception of the mention in Revelation where there is a half an hour silence, outside of that, heaven, and you figure in a half an hour in all eternity, that's not very long. Half an hour silence. After that, all of heaven explodes with praise and life and activity and who knows what it's going to be like when we're all there and we're actually reigning in heaven. Who knows what we're going to reign over. Anybody ever thought of that? But I have a feeling it's going to be a fun adventure. Yeah. Just like living here is a fun adventure. And just like living here, we get to exercise our authority. And just like living here, we get authority over sickness, disease. We get authority over demons. We get authority over things that try to suck people down and destroy their lives. We have authority over addictions. We have authority over uh, our tongues. We have authority over, um, like I said, sickness, disease, even death. We get authority over these things. These are our inheritance. This is what has been given to us. It's not something we have to earn. It's not something we can earn. It's something that has been given to us. It has been given to us. And there is an expectation on the one who gave it to us. There's expectation on his part. It's an expectancy that Father has that he would trust us with authority. He doesn't give us authority without an expectation to the authority. That's not how authority works. Luke chapter 7 says this, And Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. What amazes me is that this story shows the power of someone who understood authority. This man understood authority given to him by a government. He was expected to operate in accordance to the standards and regulations of that government. And while his authority was limited to an earthly domain in a geographical area and man's influence, he could function with power and influence that authority gave him. The centurion and the government that gave him authority expected him to act on that authority. There was an expectation. Honestly, I feel like in a lot of ways, the Western church has lost its expectation. Just in a lot of ways. I, I just... I. I I, I'm not downing it. I'm not downing us, okay? But there is a loss of expectation. I think Eastern, the Eastern mystics and the Eastern, um, what should I say, the Eastern mystic believers, even, even the Eastern people. I, I've talked to people who have gone East. They've gone to Asia and they've gone to various parts. They live more, by, they live more out of an experience of expectation than they do out of their heads. They live. I think the expectation needs to return to the believers. We need to believe that when we pray for the sick, the sick get healed. There has to be an expectation there because we've been given the authority to heal the sick. It's not just healing the sick. It's all other areas. When, when Jesus said, love your enemies, guess what? There's an authority that's giving us to love our enemies. Do we see it like that? No, we get in our heads. Love our enemies. Okay, well, that's easy for you to say until you have an enemy that comes across to you in a bad way, right? But no, it can be done. I've done it. I've lived it. You can actually learn to love your enemy, and it's not just an outward appearance where you're like being courteous and being nice to your enemy, but in your mind you're thinking, you jerk, I can't stand you. What the heck? You're such an enemy. And on the outside, you're not doing that, right? And the inside, you're only doing it. You can live beyond this because this is inside out. This is something that we've been given, the authority to love our enemy and the authority to pray for those who abuse us and mistreat us. It's the image of Christ when he was crucified and hung on a tree. He did not hate his enemies. He was not mad at his enemies. He was not holding grudges. He was not sitting there saying, wait till the judgment day. I see you, wait till the judgment day. He lived in love. He loved even those who abused him and mistreated him and misrepresented who he was. We've been given that kind of authority. And this man acknowledged authority because he knew authority. 
Now, the centurion heard about Jesus. I don't know how he heard about Jesus, but he heard about Jesus. And the centurion had never been to the kingdom of God. He never got the tour bus, the kingdom of God tour, come and see the kingdom. He'd never heard that, but he heard something, and he heard that the kingdom of God was here, and he saw the miracles that Jesus was doing, and he saw and heard reports of how Jesus raised the dead and how Jesus healed the sick and how the sick were brought to him and how the multitudes gathered around his teaching and how they, they came to him because they recognized something in him that did not exist in their religious leaders. And they, this centurion is looking at that and he's seeing it and he's recognizing. Maybe he heard that Jesus actually said, I can't do anything on my else, only what the Father gives me. That's what I can do. Maybe the centurion heard that. I don't know what he heard, but he recognized Jesus had been given authority. He saw something that attracted him to Jesus. His servant was sick, close to death, and he comes to Jesus, and this is what he says. Come, I'm not worthy that you come to my house, but I'm a man under authority, and I know authority. If you just speak the words... My servant will be healed. And Jesus is amazed. He's absolutely, his mind, his whole mind is blown, blown away. He's like, the kingdom of God has really come here to this planet. I am not wasting my time. The centurion has picked up on this. And he's recognized. He's recognized the heart of the Father. For this world. The thing that he knew about the kingdom. Is that Jesus came from there. And he'd been given authority from there. The thing he knew about the kingdom of God. Jesus came from there. And he'd been given authority from there. And the centurion somehow in his heart. In his thinking. Somehow in his mind, in his position of a man of authority, he recognized, I've been given authority and I'm expected to carry out. Jesus has been given authority and is carrying it out. And he goes to him. And he makes the statement. And Jesus says, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And immediately Jesus links the man's understanding of authority with faith. He, he ties the two together. The kingdom of God has no geographical limitations. I don't care what anybody might tell you. I don't care if they say New England's a hard place. Nobody can get healed here. Nobody gets saved here. All our neighbors don't need God. You know, they have everything they want. Blah, 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 blah. On and on and on. And let's just laugh at those lies. Ha, 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 ha. Like, who do you think you're kidding? There are no geographical limitations for the kingdom of God. The only limitations that exist are our lack of understanding what we've been given. Once heard an evangelist many years ago Many years ago, to say this, he says, I don't know why there are so many unbelieving believers. 
Why are there so many unbelieving believers? They believe part way, but they don't believe totally. They believe little bits and pieces, but they don't believe the whole. Maybe their minds haven't been opened up. I don't know. But this I do know. When we believe that what we've been given has an expectation attached to it, then when we flow out of what we've been given, it matches the expectation. Whoever has faith shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Matches the expectation. Remember as a young boy, I used to take that scripture as a young boy. You know, I grew up in church my whole life, so I'd heard this one and read it before. And I remember as a young man, I was probably like in 7th or 8th grade, and we lived in Reading, and in Reading there were mountains all around. If you've ever been there, it's just beautiful mountains. And there's a mountain called Mount Baldick, and Mount Baldick, you could see it right across from my childhood home where I grew up. And I remember walking one day out by the mailbox. I had a camera in my hands, one of those box cameras, and I was going on a photographic adventure. And I remember walking out there, and I stood right by the side of my mailbox in the driveway, and I looked at that mountain, and I said, oh, yeah? Go into the sea. Be removed right there and go into the sea. Be removed and go into the sea. Well, that mountain's still there today. Are there limitations? Maybe. Was I childish in my faith? Possibly. But was I onto something for my life? Absolutely. And does it take wisdom to operate in this? Oh, absolutely. Ask for wisdom and you shall be given wisdom. But I'm telling you, when you get this, I want to unlock something in you. You start to understand that you're more powerful than your little puny brain tells you you are. And all those lies that have uh, accumulated to, to lock you in to a certain standard of your expectations... When the truth comes to undo all those lies, you lock yourself into the standard of his expectations. His expectations. Why would God give believers authority if he didn't have expectancy for them to carry it out? You know, why would he tell us we have authority? Why would, why would, he, why would he say... I, just as a kingdom has been given to me, I am giving you a kingdom. Why would he even say that if he didn't have an expectation that as a believer, that word would come to life in us and begin to churn and begin to turn and begin to work towards his expectation? This carries forth in all of life. This isn't just a church message. This is actually a life message. This is something that you get to carry with you all the time. You actually get the kingdom of God even when you close your eyes and go to sleep at night. You get the kingdom of God even when you're watching a Netflix movie. You get the kingdom. Watched a movie just recently. Uh, um, I won't give you the title of it. We watched a movie just recently. <laughs> It is a good movie. 
a lot of good movies out there based on a real life singer and this singer had a tough life and ended up in prison and she got out of released out of prison and then when she got out released out of prison uh, she still had some old old things going on in her life but suddenly she she had a dream she wanted to go to uh, she wanted to go to Nashville she, she had this dream since she was a child to go to Nashville and be a singer a western singer or a country singer and so she finally, someone finally gives her money to fulfill her dream. She goes to Nashville, and when she gets to Nashville, she checks into this little hotel, and she goes to the Grand Ole Opry, and she starts to tour on the Grand Ole Opry. And as she begins the tour, she goes off onto the stage, uh, off from the rest of everybody else. And she goes up on the stage, and there's the empty Grand Ole Opry out there, and she starts singing. And as she starts singing, a violinist begins to pick up the tune and begins to carry the tune and, and play with her as she's singing this solo. And it's a very powerful solo, and it's very awesome, very, time, very powerful moment in her life. She's standing there, and she's realizing, this is what I've dreamed. This, this is what I've dreamed. This is what I've been living for. And as she releases this song out into this empty auditorium, something happens inside of her. She had several people come up to her and say, that was absolutely amazing, but you'd be surprised how many people have actually done this very thing that you did. And she went outside, sat for a few minutes, had some contemplative thoughts, went back to her hotel, and flew back to Ireland, where she came from. Or Scotland. Sorry if you're from any one of those places, and I just mixed it up. She flies back there, and as soon as she gets back there, she goes to this place, I'm sorry, not as soon as she gets, let me, let me re recapture this. In Nashville, she went back in her mind after that stage experience. She did some contemplative thinking, and she went back to Glasgow. Where is that, Glasgow? Scotland. Scotland, thank you very much. She went back to Glasgow, and as she goes back to Glasgow, she realizes that this dream that she's had to be in a geographical location in Nashville, she carries the same dream where she was in Glasgow. And she can release a more powerful song where she was from than she could release in Nashville. And she becomes a very well-renowned singer in Glasgow because country, not really a Glasgow thing, you know. <laughs> And she realized that she could fulfill her dream right in the location that she was at. I think even within us as humans, there's like this tendency inside of us to think that the grass will be greener somewhere else. That if we do something else, if we jump to another conference, maybe we'll get something that will transform our life. If we go to a, a, a place far away, we'll get something that's going to transform our life. And all the while... The dream that's in us is powerful enough to fulfill right where we are in this moment. And why is that? It's because that dream that's in you, it's something he's given you. And you have the authority to carry out that dream like nobody else has that authority. I always think of Daniel, the great prophet Daniel who as a young man was carried off into captivity into Babylon. And when he got into Babylon, 
He was forced to be there. He didn't have a choice to be there. It wasn't like he, he said, I want to go to Babylon. He went to Babylon, but something inside of Daniel said, the same God that I serve back there with my family, that God lives in me, and his wisdom is in me, and I'm going to bring transfer, transformation right to this place. As bad as the government, a Babylon government was, as bad as it was, as evil it was, and if you look at history, it was very evil. They went into towns, they slaughtered young women, children, anything that moved, they just slaughtered it all and took it over as their own property. And if you look at that system and you look at all the system that he's under, 120 uh, soothsayers and uh, what we would call New Agers and all that other stuff that he's, he's working around, instead of them having an influence on him, and they tried, but instead of them having an influence on him, he influenced them so that he gained their respect. Because everywhere that we go, no matter what place you're in, no matter how evil it might be, and no matter how structurally it might seem, that it's just not, the kingdom of God is not there. And you can walk into those places. I shared that even last week. We get to walk into those places and bring a kingdom that is bigger than the kingdom of this world. And we get to bring a kingdom authority and change lives and people. And move mountains that exist in their hearts and their minds. It's imperative that we recognize the level of authority Jesus has given us. Recognizing that authority puts us in a place of humility. Because we realize... This is about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Father. I look around this room. I, I see tons of testimonies sitting in this room. We have so many people that are walking this out in life. It, it's crazy. You know, I... The positive picket that we're getting ready to do for the church, just amazing positive picket. I remember, I remember when the positive picket started, it was in a meeting, and Bob just popped up and said, I have this great idea. <laughs> and he just spewed it out, and I sat there, and I went, oh, my gosh, that's an amazing idea. Who ever heard of a positive picket? It came in a dream. I'd, I'd never heard of a positive picket ever, and this was... He thought of this when all these protests started happening around our country over everything, and they were getting out of control, you know, vandalism, the G8 summit, all that stuff was just, they were just busting stuff up, and, and Bob just says, positive picket, we just make, we make signs and just celebrate the people that serve our community, businesses and all that. I sat there and listened to that and just said, that's, that's genius. Is God put a dream in his heart and in his mind, and immediately there came an authority to release. What's your dream? What's in your heart? What's in your mind?
I think for me personally, and I'm not saying God doesn't speak to me when I am awake. I'm not saying he doesn't speak to me when I'm awake. But I think personally, I get a lot of stuff downloaded while I'm sleeping. Last night I had a dream. And in that dream, there were, uh, you know, there were people all around in the dream and there's life and activity going on. I think there was a, a confusing battle or something like that. There's some battle going on. Every, everyone's in a fight. And I see this like fluid liquid right in front of me. And I step through that fluid liquid and I get on, on the other side of the liquid and it's a whole transformation of what I see. The beauty and the war is gone. The, the fight is over. It's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful area. Heaven, I would best describe it as that. Step through and I'm just, I'm just enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm enjoying the scenery. I'm enjoying the, the feeling that I'm getting. This is all in my dream. I'm enjoying my dream. Anybody have a dream where you actually enjoy it? It's more than just information. It's like you're experiencing that thing, and it's like you're getting a download of joy to you. Well, I'm in this side, and I'm experiencing that. Then I go back out here, and the battle has stopped. It's how Jesus lived. It's how he got his authority. He'd go from there to here. He'd go through the veil. Hey, Dad, what's next? Father, what you got next? What's, what's next, Dad? Okay, thanks. Back through the veil. Whew. Transformation. It's, how don't you ever apologize for laughing. You can laugh all you want. Sorry. I love you, Ami. You're amazing. <laughs> Through the veil again. Back to change. It's what we get. It's what we carry all the time. Everywhere you go, whether it's... I look over at Doug, and Doug's a you know, well-sought-out commercial real estate agent in Boston. That guy goes into Boston every morning and every night. I don't know how he makes that commute every day, and he's been doing it for many years. And a hard, 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 hard working guy. But he has a dream that God has put in his heart and he's put in a place where he can bring transformation. And I, he's told me stories of some of the contacts that he's had in these high places where billionaires are, are a dime a dozen. And some of those contacts and how they respect him and how they, they look to him and how they honor him and how they see there's something different about this guy. And Doug is sitting over there right now, and he's saying, why are you talking about me? I can't stand it when people highlight me like this, because that's how he lives. He lives in a humility, where his purpose is to fulfill God's mission through him on earth, and he will attribute it to God every single time. I've told Doug multiple times, Doug, you're an incredible, amazing guy. You're in a place, God has put you in a place for, to bring transformation into an area that most people won't even touch, that most people won't even go near, and he would say, it's not me, it's the Lord. And I say, Doug, you can, take honor. You, can, you can take ownership for some of this. No, it's the Lord. It's not me. Because of the humility. And because he recognizes authority. And because he knows authority has been given to him. And because authority has been given to him, he can transform these places. He's not alone. I look around this room. I see all kinds of people. 
You guys are influencers. You're, you carry the kingdom of God in you. Everywhere you go, everywhere your footsteps, transformation comes. I prophesy to this group of people, and I prophesy to this house, because God's given me authority in this house. But I prophesy to this group of people that you're going to walk into places, and people are going to fall out in the spirit. Right next to you, thankfully. Because you'll know what to do. You'll know how to pray for that person that's down. There's something's going on in that person. You won't know it. You won't know it until you connect with that and bring deliverance for their lives or healing to their life or change to their life. I, be I believe it. You know the woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched the hem of the garment? Not because she said something, but because she thought something. And virtue went out of Jesus and went into her. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? When Peter is, Peter is walking down the street and people line the sidewalk just so his shadow might fall on them. And when his shadow fell on them, they'd fall out under the Spirit. Change and transformation and healing would come about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this authority that we've been given. It's more powerful than anything else. And we have the grace to function in it. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't really exercise, exercise my authority that much. You know, I probably should do it a lot more. It's not that. It's just recognizing you've been given this. This is yours. It's a gift. Connect to it and move your mountains. Thank you.